Hello, I'm Oliver Wong. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Hate Rocks. This is part three of our comfort music series, as we are all struggling with life under the virus. Many of us are turning to arts and music to keep us hopeful and inspired. Now, in part one, we shared uh, my starting five comfort albums. In part two, it was Oliver's turn. And in part three, it's your turn as our audience. We asked you via our Facebook group for some of your favorite comfort music examples, and Morgan and I drafted our starting five off of that list and then had each recommender send in a short testimonial as to why they chose what they chose. And before we go any further, we want to say that those testimonials were fire, and we do so appreciate your contributions, and we're going to kick things off with an album that both Oliver and I landed on, Erica Badu's New America Part 2, Return I realize that both of us just talked about this during our best of 2010s album list at the beginning of the year, but it's fine because this album is so nice, I think it's worth talking about twice. This yeah. pick came from our audience member, Alexandra Vesey, who is an assistant professor in journalism and creative media at the University of Alabama. She's currently working on her first book, Extending Play, Music, Merchandising, and the Gender Politics of Self-Commodification, which examines female musicians' self-branding ventures in fashion, cosmetics, food, and music equipment. Here is Alexandra talking about why New America Part 2 was one of her comfort album choices. Erica Badu's New America Part 2, Return of the Ankh, is the second installment of a two-album cycle that filters the feminist adage, the personal is political, through a grown black woman's subjectivity. Return of the Ankh, which was released two years after Fourth World War, is widely regarded as New America's personal side. Some folks originally dismissed Ankh as unstructured or insular. When it arrived in March 2010, I blogged about it as a longtime fan stealing away headphone time at work. Ten years later, as a college professor under quarantine, I've taken enormous comfort in its looseness, its circuitous grooves, and its intimate scale. Ostensibly, Ankh is a breakup album that finds Badu processing her life with and beyond J. Electronica. On Window Seat, Ankh's lead single, Badu finds clarity through jet lag. When this tour is over, she'll need emotional support, but for now, an unobstructed view of the sky will do. Fire track Gone Baby Don't Be Long is a long-distance love song between two strivers that is built from Wings's Arrow Through Me. new resonance through its placement on Hulu's High Fidelity, a project upon which Ankh producer and Badu repertory player Questlove served as a consultant. Sleeper Jam, Love, is a breakup song that doubles as an elegy for Jay Dilla, who built this track from the guitar melody to the fabulous soul's Take Me before his passing in 2006. 
replaying the song as I read about yet another beloved musician we've lost amid the pandemic. The album closes with Out My Mind, Just In Time, a Green Eyes sequel 10 years after Mama's Gun that finds Badu tougher, but still able to find humor in Heartbreak. It remains her last official album, though she released a mixtape, the underrated But You Can't Use My Phone, in 2015. Badu is still very much in the world, one foot in the past, one foot in the present, her head to the sky, her eye on Twitter. Genius is the capacity to imagine a different future by creating art that changes society's perceptions of the present. Ankh is a distillation of Badu's wisdom through experience. If it sounds unfinished, it's because the author is still in the process of becoming. It's a rough draft masterpiece that finds art in uncertainty. I really appreciate everything Alexandra had to say there, and um, our producer, Christian, just let us know before we started taping. Uh, the day that we're taping this, uh, John Prine passed away, who is someone that, personally, unfortunately, I'm not super familiar with, but I speculate that someone like uh, Professor Vesey is actually probably much more so. And yeah, we're losing so many people right now, and so there is kind of this melancholy that I think haunts, as she talks about with Badu and the things that she's lost. That is circulating in an album recorded 10 years ago, but mm -hmm. we can certainly relate it to all the people that, that we're losing now uh, on account of the, the virus. Bringing this back to Badu in particular, I think, especially in thinking about why this album also resonated with me as a comfort album pick, is I think there's something about, about her partly because of her music, and this goes all the way back to Baduism, which is rooted... Um, I think what I described in one of our previous shows as imagine nostalgia. In other words, when you listen to her stuff, and this again, this goes back to her very beginning, you get this feeling for what the past sounded like. And even if you never actually lived through it, there's something I think very alluring about that. What I've always loved about Erica Badu's music is its honesty, its reflectiveness, and its vulnerability. And uh, whether she's talking about and there's poetry to it, whether she's talking about falling in love, as is the case on um, I Want You uh, from the Worldwide Underground. Whether she's talking about falling out of love, as is the case on Green Eyes from Mama's Gun. About somebody, you've done something to my mind, and I can't control it. But I or whether she's just navigating the sometimes sticky, icky processing uh, that we do in the aftermath of After the Love is Gone. Shout out to Earth, Wind, and Fire as she does on on uh, sometimes uh, from Baduism. Um, 
this sort of vulnerability and this open view into her life and into her loves is also present on this album, which is one of the reasons I like this album so much. And my fire gem from this album is Out of My Mind Just In Time. Because if you start a song with... I'm a recovering undercover over lover Recovering from a love I can't get over I mean, it's just such a, a window into her truth, and I have always appreciated that. I love her agency, I love her awareness, that folks have had things to say about her choices, her relationships, um, her life. But I love that black girl grownness of repossessing her own business and saying that I'm going to sing about my life poetically, I'm going to sing about it metaphorically. And uh, that's what I love about about this album. It's comforting to me because of the musicianship. And I think Oliver touched on this, that it sounds old. It sounds well-produced. It reminds, it's reminiscent of the past. It's, you know, she says she's an analog girl in a digital world. You get both elements on this album. And it's just, it comforts me because it feels like uh, somebody walking up and putting their, you know, hooking their arm in your arm. It's like, a you know, a black girl saying to another black girl, girl, let me tell you about this. And that's what all of her albums feel like to me, particularly this one. And I love it. It's one of my favorites. I'm almost certain I must have said this during that Best of 2010s episode, but this is my favorite Badu LP. I wouldn't necessarily claim that it's the best, but it's certainly my personal favorite. And I think it's partly because when it came out, and it's it's kind of hard to believe it came out 10 years ago, I was so taken with how 90s it was. Yeah. And I don't, I wouldn't describe the aesthetic on here as being retro per se, but I think it's really clear that Badu and all of her producers we're nodding back to both the 1990s and the 1970s in terms of the different samples they used, several of which were direct references back to golden era rap hits. And in general, and this is something that you were both leading to, and I think Vessie put in, in her commentary, it's just the analog warmth of this album. Um, yeah. I went back and looked at what I wrote about it. This was for NPR Music back in 2010. And I described the album as uh, that it, quote, grooves rather than grills, unquote. And I think it's because it's not an album that you throw down to. This is pure vibe and chill. From here, uh, you gon' see, uh, it's gon' be One of the things that um, that I also love about all of Erica's albums is that there's always a song that speaks directly into the core of her truth and what she's going through. For this, on this album, it's 20 feet tall. Then you, you built a wall, a 20-foot wall, so I couldn't see. count on Erica to uh, to speak her truth and I love that about this album I love that it starts with 20 20 feet tall great song choice especially because Badu has been doing a series of quarantine concerts which are available on her website baduworldmarket.com it looks like it's literally shot in her bedroom because she's in bed and then she's surrounded by musicians who are all wearing masks and whatnot. And 
it's I think we, we must have commented on this uh, last time we talked about this album, but literally years will go by between her releasing anything. But then she'll just come out of nowhere with something like these quarantine concerts. And one of the songs that she plays, I think, in concert number two is 20 Feet Tall. I'm 20 Feet Tall, yeah. One more, one more. Break it down. Oh, yeah. Keep it right there. All right, next up, one of Morgan's draft picks. This is Peebo Bryson's <laughs> 1978 album, Crosswinds. I am yours, you are mine. I'm so glad I found you. Well, before we get into it, I want to shout out Patrice Russian, who plays synthesizers on this album. So shout out to mm. our guest, Patrice Russian, uh, a woman of many, many talents, and she plays um, on this album. I am so glad that Greg Mitchell um, picked this. It certainly takes me back uh, to, my, to my youth. But what it reminds me of and why it's so comforting to me is it reminds me of that time in music, and this is 1978, we had singers like Jeffrey Osborne, and you, they, who were the predecessors to like Freddie Jackson and Luther and Kashif, and this sort of singing that was so personal. Um, also, Peebo Bryson was just slick and cool. I think the cover of this album might be blue and gold, and then his background is blue, and he's got on a gold suit, and his afro is super pristine and compelling. And uh, he was just a suave guy and a cool guy, and really... Um, had one of the best voices in R&B at that time. I think he might be underrated now, but at the time he was everything and he was everywhere. Talking about my point of view Is it hard to understand It's my heart that's in your hands And all the love I give I've been given Just for you I'm not going to front. I knew very little about people Bryson beyond the fact that he was a quiet storm giant, but I'm really <laughs> happy that, that Greg Mitchell Jr. picked this. And just to give a quick shout out to him, he is a producer from Detroit, now residing in Wisconsin. Mitchell does a monthly mix called Treble Free R&B that's on mm. Mixcloud. And this is his testimonial as to why he chose Crosswinds. As far as I can remember, a lot of black children from my era were raised on a specific diet of artists, usually on Saturdays when we cleaned the house. Angela Bofield, Denise Williams, Luther Vandross, and Peebo Bryson were staples in my household. My mother played Luther's and Peebo's records to death. As I became an adult, I went back to those same albums when current music sort of let me down. A lot of them served me well, but Peebo Bryson's Crosswinds was always one that I went back to quite often. Peebo, along with Johnny Payton, Claire Fisher, made this album a true standout for me. What makes Peebo Bryson's Crosswinds a comfort album for me are the lyrics, the string and horn arrangements, the instrumentation, and Peebo's voice. He truly knew how to bend notes to his will. Usually, I look at albums where the title track is first as a slight weakness, but in this case, it makes perfect sense. Peebo starts off telling us that he's played the game of love before and that it's so much more than people think it is. As you search for the love you lost, it's okay to get caught up in the crosswinds. You got me hungry for your love. 
Claire Fisher's string arrangements, as well as Patrice Russian's ARP synthesizer touches, tease you into working through your rights and your wrongs. While I'm So Into You is the track that's gotten the most overkill from this album via Quiet Storm and Old School R&B Airplay, I still love hearing it amongst the album's other seven selections. Smile manages to give me a little bit of disco without wearing out its welcome. As a kid, I used to think it was somebody's game show theme. Coasting into the second side, as we learn more about Peebo's specific point of view, he invites us to spread your wings and try beyond what you feel your limits may be. Mind you, while all of this is going on, the string and horn arrangements are still here, giving me every color out of the crayon box and in the right places. After all of that, he closes the album with a nod to finding a way to move on after someone breaks your heart. Love is Watching You tells us that it may not happen immediately like we want it, but love will come back around your way. This album gives me hope, and not just ear candy, but a full meal of minerals and vitamins that are essential to my life. To slightly paraphrase Mr. Bryson, when you fall in love with this album, don't sit back up on the shelf. Selfishly, take a little comfort for yourself. That's the way life is. Even though it makes you feel bad, try to remember the good times you had. Don't be afraid. Our heat rockers are just slaying this with their <laughs> testimonials. Yo, putting us out of for business. Sure. For sure. We quit. After this show, Oliver and I are going to hang up our mics. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And go to a retirement home from for old podcasters. But uh but I just wanted to touch briefly on Smile because it, it is nineteen seventy eight and we're still in disco. And Smile was an unexpected disco turn, but that thing bangs. I mean it's it sort of sounds like it could have been produced actually by by Gamble and Huff. You got the doo 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 vocals that just make you want to shimmy or make me want to shimmy and then could clearly make Greg Mitchell Junior want to shimmy. But it's all of the things that he said. And um, Peebo Bryson, like I said, may be underrated now, but at the time, he ran the 70s, he ran the early 80s, and um, if you want to you know, get into his duets, there's so many good ones to pick from, so many, but one of my favorites is his with Minnie Riverton, a song called Here We Go. Morgan, I got to confess, I totally forgot that he was one of the key voices behind two of the biggest Disney theme songs of the early 90s. So this this guy was a three-decade king. He did yeah. Beauty and the Beast alongside Celine Dion in A Whole New World, which was besides the, uh, he sung alongside the aforementioned Regina Bell. I'm like a shooting star. And I just totally forgot that not only did he have this massive career in the quiet storm field, but Disney tapped him as the voice, or at least the male voice, 
on these songs that are freaking iconic for generations of Disney fans. It's it's wild. Yo, for sure. And it's great that he had that that sort of success after his solo career. I mean, he was just one of those voices alongside, as I mentioned, um, Jeffrey Osborne. Um, and also James Ingram was big around this time, too. But people kicked it off, started it off, and, and just one of the great voices in, in R&B. Mm. Well, shout out once again to Greg Mitchell Jr. for this pick. Check out his trouble-free R&B mix on Mixcloud. One last audience pick before we go to the break. De La Soul is Dead by De La Soul. And I'll Ooh, get back to you. Once again, it's another rap-handed fiend in eye, and I can't stand it. Want to be down with the day glow, knocking on my door saying, hey, yo, yo. Knocking on my door saying, hey, yo, yo, I got a funky new tune with a fly banjo. This one came from Susanna Bartlow, who is a writer, educator, and organizer living in Memphis, my father's hometown. She's also a self-described lifelong music nerd, and here's her testimonial about the album. The thing that makes De La Soul is Dead such a comfort album for me is that it's an album that I that like popped back into my life three or four times, and each time was like an explosion of fun and depth and amazing sound and just like really good jams, but also um, some really deep stuff that I needed to hear each time I heard it. And the first time I was about 13 or 14 was on this like church cross country road trip. And I knew De La Soul from me, myself and I, but I didn't, I didn't know about De La Soul is dead. Um, I was into like Sinead O'Connor and violent femmes and all this, like, I would think of it as like brooding suburban white kid, um, early alternative, you know, and it was the first time that I had heard a De La Soul album straight through, and it totally blew my mind um, because it was so smart and so funny, and also just like such a jam. And then when I went to college, my college, my freshman roommate um, would just play it continuously. And she taught me how to really listen to the skits and really be into it. Um, And then later in my life, like I would say maybe 2001, 2003, four-ish, there's a De La Soul double album that came out about that time. So that also pushed me back into like the back catalog of songs I listened to when I was a teenager. So it's just an album that is like really amazingly like witty and sweet um, and also really intense and really deep. And it's got party songs and it's got really thoughtful songs. I always think about um, like Millie pulled a pistol on Santa was a song that was really powerful for me. Um, You know, the BK skits are just hilarious and also just really, that was one that I would listen to with my college freshman roommate a lot. And she would just like, we would, you know, go through all the back and forth together. And it was really, really fun. Yo, I can tell you fly by the weave that you wear, but you must be aware that a fly can be swatted by BK Trey. By the way, yo, here's yours. I know you just sweating me, so baby, kill the noise. With your polyester pants and they're also high waters. Look at what you do all day, but take orders. You bow tie women, clocking and staring. I know you just upset because you can't get the rap. I think you better chill before my man gets slapped. Um, so it's just an album that I turn to and like is a reason that I need to find a CD player again. <laughs> well, Susanna, I really hope you find that CD player. And I love this choice partly because it feels very unexpected. I've said this before on the show, but while De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising is one of the most formative albums in my life, I mean, it, it's an album that literally changed my life. 
It's what got me into hip hop. But I think De La Soul is Dead might be the group's best album. And as I said a moment ago, it's also my personal favorite. And part of that has to do with the fact that as a sophomore album, one that follows an enormously successful debut, the first thing that Daylight does on this is they set out to metaphorically kill off their previous incarnation and then reinvent themselves. So be cheerful. Season is grease, time to pimp promo. Nuts can no flow if the shade is in the go. On with me hat, Dreadlock is heading out the door, y'all. We're selling O's, y'all. We're selling O's and O's. We're selling O's at the corner store. Shout out to Susanna for picking this. And yeah, go ahead and get that CD player, but go ahead and go big, get that five CD changer for the culture. Um, <laughs> I love this pick because uh, it makes me think of my youth. It makes me think of how I felt about hip hop then, what hip hop was like then, uh, my own feelings of invincibility and not realizing then how much things would change uh, for, for me personally and also musically. I remember Arsenio Hall calling De La Soul the hippies of hip hop. And uh, I thought that was cool, but I knew so many dudes, you know, in my neighborhood and folks that I've hung out with that had the same sort of sensibilities and aesthetics. So to me, that was really, it was really normal. It was like sort of a, a cross-pollination of styles in my neighborhood. And we certainly had dudes that, you know, twisted their hair and had the African medall medallions that you get from the swap meet. So it was all that. So listening to this album was comforting for me in prep for the chat because it gave me a lot of nostalgia and, and smiles and joy, which is what I think I certainly need at a time like this. I have to keep it real, and I don't, I really don't want to take anything away from De La Soul is Dead, but I, I have so much love for Three Feet High and Rising because of the jams that I have on there. Buddy, first of all, Potholes on My Lawn, Me, Myself, and I, huge jams for me. So I just have to get that, get that out of the way, and I don't want to play favorites on either album, but I have to say I have so much love personally for three feet high and rising however on this album there are heaters as well two of my favorites are one the one Susanna mentioned which is Millie pulled a pistol on Santa fire Complete with that accent that made us sound hillbilly. Around this time, the slamming drug was milk is chilling. But even cooler was my social worker, Dylan. Yeah, I had a social worker because I had some trouble. Anyone who ripped for me, I popped it down like bubbles. And my second favorite is ironically kicked out of the house um, because I was also a house head at this time. And although I think it's a little bit of them riffing on house, they do start out the song by saying, We mean no disrespect to house music and the culture but we're glad we're not doing it and uh even though they're sort of you know being funny about house that song is fire it's just two minutes long but without you know with or without their their rap uh, that could get bumped in the club so this was unexpected for me too but uh but it gave me so much joy so for me it's a great pick One of my favorite De La songs, not just on this album, but across their entire catalog, is a song that I both take comfort in because it's such a joyous, fun song, but it's also a tease about the life, the normal life that is behind us by several weeks or several months by the time people are listening to this and hopefully will be something that we can get back to in, in sometime in the near future, which is a roller skate jam named Saturdays. And ain't nobody roller skating jamming anywhere right now, but... This song is just, it's just 
pure joy. Slip your butt to the fix of this mix. Toss that briefcase, it's time to let loose. Cause you work like heck to get the weekend check. So unfasten that sleeper on your neck. Connected like a vibe from the wheel to the foot. Come on, everybody, get the funky output. Morgan, before we move off of this album, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with a hard question here. Who is your number one amongst the Native Tongues family? And I assume for most people it comes down between De La uh, versus Tri, but who would you put as your number one Native Tonguer? Well, I love all of them, so I don't want to pick a favorite, but I will say I spent more time with A Tribe Called Quest. Okay, just straight up. I spent more time with them in their catalog. That said... I love the Jungle Brothers, and I want to shout out my homegirl, Lisa Loke, for turning me on to Straight Out the Jungle on the strength of uh, of this jam. Now I won't say that I'm a ladies lover, but if I was, you'd be under my cover. And not only that, you'd be under my wing, and me and you'd be doing the nasty thing. Whenever you're ready, we could go steady. You could be my baby, and I could be your teddy. It's cold out there, but it's warm in here. I know you have a lovely lover, but I do not care. I mean, she sold me on this jam and the Jungle Brothers off the strength of that album. She wrapped the whole thing from cover to cover, had some little, some hot interpretive dance moves. So uh, I spent a lot of time with the Tribe Called Quest, but I have love for the entire Native Tongues massive. I got to ask, Lisa Loke, is that a DJ name or is that her real name? Her name is Lisa, but we just used to call her Lisa Loke. That's dope. Well, shout out to Susanna Bartlow again for picking this. It's always a good time to talk about Dela. We have not spoken enough about Dela on this show. So no. someone out there, or, or one of our future guests, you got to pick Balloon Mindstay. You got to pick this album. We, we, we're we barely touching the surface with Dela Solis. Dan, we get into stakes as high, you know, et cetera. Oh, so yeah. we got we got to have more Dela in our future. All right. Sure. We will be back with more of our discussion about our audience comfort albums after a brief word from some of our sibling Max Fun podcasts. Keep it locked. Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. Hi, I'm Lori Kilmartin. And we have a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show. Who are you, Lori Kilmartin? Oh, my God. So much pressure. Uh, I'm a stand-up. I've been doing stand-up since 1987. Uh, I'm a writer for Conan. I've written a couple books, have a couple CDs out, have a special out. Who are you, Jackie? Well, I, too, am a stand-up comic since 1984. And uh, I do the road like a maniac and uh, don't have a cool writing job, but I have four albums out working on a new album. We talk about stand-up. We talk about uh, all the different parts of stand-up comedy. So that's the Jackie and Lori show, and you should subscribe on Maximum Fun if you want to hear that. (laughs) And I would encourage you not to. Hi, I'm Renee Colbert. I'm Alexis Preston. And we're the hosts of the smash hit podcast, Can I Pet Your Dog? Now, Alexis. Yes. We got big news. Uh Uh-oh. Since last we did a promo, our dogs have become famous. World famous. World, like, stars on the Hollywood Walk. Second big news. Mm -hmm. The reviews are in. Mm Mm-hmm. Take yourself to Apple Podcasts. You know what you're going to hear? We're happy. It's true. We're a delight. A great distraction from the world. I like that part a lot. So if that's what you guys are looking for, Mm -hmm. you got to check out our show. But what else can they expect? We've got dog tech, dog news, celebrities with their dogs, all dog things. All the dog things. So if that interests you, well, get yourself on over to Maximum Fun every Tuesday. Yo, and we're back on Heat Rocks talking about our audience comfort albums. Next up, we leave this fair country and travel across the pond to Germany. We got German listeners with Matthias Schoenbomber, and I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. 
And he came with, I think, just a really, really great pick, which is Gil Scott Heron and Brian Jackson's moody 1974 masterpiece, Winter in America. When you talk about what defines a comfort album, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is that the instrumentation has to hit you in a certain way. And for me, there's a comforting feeling in the combination of certain instruments. And in case of Winter in America, it's, of course, the Fender Rhodes piano and the flute, both beautifully played by Brian Jackson. I guess any record that features these two instruments together qualifies as a comfort album per se. So uh, then there is uh, Scott Heron's voice, which is so deep and of an introspective quality, even when he is singing and talking about social issues and problems in society, um, which makes him one of those singers in music whose voice will always comfort you no matter what he is singing about. There's a warmth in the songs on this record that always speaks to me as a listener and although there are some difficult themes discussed and despite being full of anger and melancholy, it just makes you feel very good in a kind of weird way and I guess that's the beauty of it, to make an album that is relevant but also very inviting. I love that the album opens and closes with Peace Go With You Brother, which gives the whole record the feeling of closure, which is in itself a very comforting feeling. My fire track on this album has always been Your Daddy Loves You, which may sound kind of banal, but I guess as a father there's a deep truth to that song that will always uh, resonate with me. It's also interesting that the song is placed near the end of the record, so it sort of sums up the whole record. Whatever happens around us, family and togetherness will always be our main comfort. Your daddy loves you. Your daddy loves his girl. Your daddy loves you. Your daddy loves his girl. Hey now. Before I picked this album, I was asking myself, can a socially conscious and sometimes provocative album such as this one be really called a comfort album without degrading the important messages it carries? But I think it is important not to mix up comfort with laziness. And to me, Winter in America is first and foremost an album of hope and peace. To quote from the liner notes, in our hearts we feel that spring is just around the corner And uh, at times like these, what can be more comforting? Now, sweet little old chocolate girl, now that you're sleeping, I feel braver. I've got the confession to make. Let me sneak in while you're dreaming. Me I think Matthias really nails it here about the contradictions of the album where its themes arise out of social anger and skepticism and yet there's something so warm and comforting about it and i was trying to think about what what it is about the qualities of this a winner in america that does this and i think partly it's because it speaks truth to power and so you feel solidarity with scott heron and jackson's disillusionments but of course it's also about the music itself and there's so much acoustic and electric piano on here And as Matthias was also talking about, the qualities of, of Gill's baritone, I think does really great work on this album, especially a song, which one of my fire tracks would be Rivers of My Fathers. Mm -hmm. 
There is a warmth to the album, and what I've always found is an earnestness in, in Gil's voice. I like that little rasp and scratch, and I see the sweetness and the earnestness beyond some of the ruggedness that I think is in his voice at times. Just like Matthias, one of my favorites from the album has always been Your Daddy Loves You. Me and your mama had some troubles. There have been a whole lot of things on our minds. But lately when we look at you, we know that we've been wasting time damn near all the time. In general, I feel like all of Gil Scott Heron's albums feel prescient. He was just on that level of being a social and a musical genius. But I mean, my God, listening to Winter in America, just even the title and thinking about where we are as a country right now could not be more timely since we're living through, I think, the longest metaphoric winter that most of us hopefully will ever experience in our lives. And I kept coming back to a song on this album, which is H2O Gate Blues, you know, talking about Watergate, because so much of it feels incredibly resonant in terms of his discussion of the skepticism about who's in office, about the state of the country. And while Gil Scott Heron was talking primarily about Nixon, a lot of this applies, I think, to our current moment in regards to 45. Click. Click. I'm sorry. The government you have elected is inoperative. Click. Inoperative. Just how blind will America be? The world is on the edge of its seat, defeat on the horizon. Very surprising that we all could see the plot and still could not. Let me do that part again. Two words. The bottle. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. The Bottle is a track that I played a lot of about 10 years ago. I just couldn't stop playing it. And one of the reasons was because I kept hearing it out on the dance floor. I, I, I heard it in a lot of sets. And I liked it, even though I knew what the lyrics were about. I knew that it was him being very honest and upfront about his addiction. I have to say, it was fire. And don't you think it's a crime? Last, but certainly not least, we come to another one of Morgan's picks here, Gino Vanelli's 1978 album, Brother to Brother. We love one another. This one was suggested by uh, Tamla Hutcherson, who had this to say about Brother to Brother. Uh, the album I chose is Brother to Brother from the Canadian singer-songwriter and musician Gino Vanelli. 
Um, it's one of the many albums that my mom would play on the weekends when I was a kid. A lot of music that she played when I was young stuck with me and probably like most of us, form the roots of my musical tastes, which uh, I think are eclectic. Anyway, that said, this album doesn't make my comfort list because of any nostalgia factor. It's the funky songs and beautiful ballads, the great instrumentation and his poetic lyrics. They all hold up to this day. Every song is just a soul-filled gem that just makes me dance and sing out loud. The al album starts off jamming with uh, Appaloosa. Played with such energy and musicianship, it sounds like it was recorded live rather than in a studio. Same energy is on Love and Emotion, Evil Eye, and Brother to Brother, which has an instrumental break in it that makes me want to see it performed live whenever I hear it. His lyrics are inspirational and poetic, especially on the ballads. Uh, the ballads aren't always romantic. People I Belong To is about how important his family is to him. Um, his lyrics, they're just beautiful and moving. Several of the ballads, like People I Belong To and The River Must Flow and The Wheels of Life, they have a line, I think it might be the bridge, that the, the lyric combined with his phrasing, uh, the way he does it in each song, it, it, he kind of suspends the lyric and the song and the phrasing, it just, it hits so beautifully. Um, and he does it a few times on these songs on the album, so it's notable. Um, the one from Wheel of Life is my favorite. All right, this is a moment where I wish I could sing. The lyric is, and if I should have only one tomorrow, it's a lifetime if I knew I could spend my days with you. Okay, I'm so not doing it justice, but trust. The beauty of the words, those particular words, and the way he sings it, it just stops me dead every time I hear it, that particular part. I just stop and listen, and I'm taken away. Gino's songwriting and his arrangements, they're just, they're just stellar on this album. To me, the only flaw with this album is that the song Living Inside Myself is not on it. It feels like it should be, and I'm so used to it and want to hear it that uh, whenever I listen to this album, I always play that song afterwards because it feels unfinished to me without it. Uh, I don't know why Gino Vanelli and this album in particular don't get the accolades or radio play that Steely Dan, the Doobie Brothers, Hollow Notes, and the other blue-eyed soul artists from that era get. Maybe the album was more popular in Canada, or maybe it didn't get as much airplay in the States, or maybe it was just too funky and too much of a crossover for its time. In either case, this album remains a go-to for me. It's energetic, inspirational, romantic, and... It just never fails. It feels so damn good. Highly recommend it if you've never heard it before.
Well, that would be me. I'd never heard of the album. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of Gino Vanelli. So this one was completely left field. Morgan, what about this album appeal to you? Yo, Brother to Brother is one of my favorite albums of all time. And I mean favorite, like in my top wow. 20. Yeah, yeah. I, ha I have actually Whoa. have, yeah. I have the CD. I've got the record. My CD is scratched up. It looks terrible. But this is one of my favorite of all time. So I just appreciate uh, Tamla for choosing it. Before we get into the whys, though, she mentioned the song Living Inside Myself, which actually isn't on this album. It's on the album Nightwalker. But it would have been perfect to be featured on here because it's true fire. And I find myself wandering in the rain. This has 1980s movie soundtrack, big montage or closing scene all over it. Yo, and this is 1978, same year as Crosswinds, right? Blue-Eyed Soul, and then you got P.O. Bryson, same year. And I don't know whether it was just like 70s soft ballad aesthetic or just Gino Vanelli, but the songs are like so all-encompassing emotionally and sonically. He always goes from zero to 60. I think the appeal to me of Gino Vanelli is one um, to Tamla's point, and she made a good one. A lot of the songs feel like they were done live and not in the studio. I want to shout out his um, his background singers, which include, include Ross Vanelli, who was his brother, Stephanie Spruill, Julia Waters, and Maxine Waters. Not the Maxine Waters, unless there's something I don't know. Uh, but, yo, keep it real, Maxine. Uh, but anyway, um, it was very 70s. It's very big. Um, I know Tamla, she's Canadian, so shout out to the Canadians, you know, um, holding down soul. But one of the things that I love about this album the most is it gave me permission to be emotional from hearing it as a little kid to now. I never realized the power of a guitar solo and that later on that there would be something about a well-placed guitar solo that would make me emotional. There's only a few times that I've been emotional, you know, publicly, you know, over music. But those few times were all guitar solos. One was Michelle playing at, uh, Michelle and Deggio Cello playing in Funk Jazz Cafe in the 90s in Atlanta. Another time was Thundercat playing at the Echo, a guitar solo. And also um, a track from this album called Love and Emotion. It's the fire track and it's the one I go to over and over again. It gets under my skin in the best ways. And I want to shout out Leon Gare. Uh, for that guitar solo. Love and Emotion is a fire track, and if we could just hear a little bit of it, you'll know what I'm talking about. I think the re one of the reasons uh, Tamela brought up a point, why is he you know overlooked or not mentioned? I think people stopped on I Just Want to Stop, which was a huge hit. It was the one that got played on a bunch of adult contemporary um, stations here and also was a part of Quiet Storm. I hate to say it, but I wonder if he had changed his name to, like, let's say, Gino Jackson, if he would have gotten a little bit more play. Something about Gino Vanelli, and I think maybe this has to do with the particularities of of how Italian names in especially blue eyed soul, you don't hear very many like Giovanelli sounds like someone who did the score for blade runner, but Giovanelli sure. is not making blue eyed soul hits. 
as far as our associations go with with names and, and the stereotypes we might have with it. So I think Gino needed to do it like Lisa Loke and just come up with like just the ill nickname that would have allowed him to maybe have gotten a little bit more deeper play on those quiet storm stations. <laughs> might have. And I think people, this single, I just want to stop, was so big. I don't think people bothered to investigate the other songs on the album, but it really is an experience. And there are so many gems on this album, Appaloosa, Wheels of Life, Brother to Brother. Like I said, it's comforting because it gives me the space to be emotional. It's simply because of the music. It doesn't necessarily conjure up nostalgia in the way that other albums do, or for that matter, Crosswinds. It's just pretty. It's just pretty music. And he's, his voice is so big and booming, you know, you got to have a Peter Cetera voice in your life. Just a dude that like two seconds in, he's already at 60. That's Gino Vanelli. <laughs> Well, shout out to Gina Vanelli and shout out to Tamla for picking this. That will do it for this special audience comfort music episode of Heat Rocks. We want to thank all of the people, not just the five people that we we chose our albums, but really everyone who responded to our query about the music that is keeping you company through this COVID crisis. It's been such a delight to know what you all are listening to and get to talk about it. We also want to thank um, so many of you guys for turning in these um, your own testimonials. We, we love how you talked about the albums that you chose. We do so appreciate your support. We also, as always, thank you for the tweezies and the retweezies. And on behalf of the whole Heat Rocks team, we hope you're staying safe and well. You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Our theme music is Crown Ones by Thess One of People Under the Stairs. Shout out to Thess for the hookup. Heat Rocks is produced by myself and Morgan, alongside Christian Duenas, who also edits, engineers, and does the booking for our shows. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher, and our executive producer is Jesse Thorne. We are part of the Maximum Fun family, taping every week live in their studios in the Westlake neighborhood of Los Angeles. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.